everybody, Jamie Rutsky here. When you hear that music, you know that it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. We are still up at the beautiful Big Portage Lake in Land Lakes, Wisconsin, not where they make butter. And Land Lakes Butter is not a sponsor of our show. In fact, as you know, we don't have any sponsors to our show, and that's the way we like it. We can say whatever we care to say. And today, this is episode 29. I think of that as Rod Carew. Some people say the most famous number 29 is that of John Smoltz. Well, let's talk about Smoltzy for a little while. Obviously a Hall of Fame pitcher, obviously a pretty smart guy. He has a lot of knowledge that he brings to the broadcasts when he is teamed with none other than Hall of Famer Bob Costas. And that's all fine and good if you like that kind of stuff. I don't. Both of those guys are entertaining. I've heard them both be entertaining. But last night, their broadcast of the Philadelphia Phillies versus Chicago Cubs was as boring as the Cubs offense. So why is that? They talk about more gooblygock, more stats, more crap than I could ever shake a stick at. There isn't any fun banter back and forth. The, the most exciting thing was Costas couldn't pronounce Castellanos's name very well and took four or five takes and wanted a new tape to run and edit that out. That was about as funny as it got on the broadcast last night on MLB Network. Pathetic tonight, the... Cubs and the Phillies play again on national TV, this time on ESPN, and that might be a little better. But, man, where are the days of John, Johnny Miller? And he, I tell you what, I didn't like uh, Tim McCarver, but, my God, last night was as boring as, as anything. So that's the first gripe, number one, boring broadcasts, hurt baseball ratings. There are no funny stories. There's no real discussion about anything except to let you know how smart Costas and Smoltz are, and they are. Then I think the other thing is the Tom Verducci edition of that show it makes it even more ridiculous. This guy, it's hard to imagine why the Cubs haven't contacted him to be the hitting coach. He apparently is the national guru for MLB Network on hitting. Now, they have Jim Tomey, they have Sean Casey, they have Mark DeRosa, they have a lot of guys that can hit, a lot of guys that can explain hitting, and instead they put this bozo on from Sports Illustrated to act like he's a hitting coach. And I'm sure he's surprised that one of the 30 teams hadn't picked him up. And that's nothing new from uh, this podcast because I just can't stand Verducci. I love broadcasting. Give me Dwayne Stats. Give me Tom Hamilton. Give me some people that can carry the day. Stats used to be on ESPN. Costas, God love him, smart guy. But they don't let him bring out the personality that I know he has. So, you know, being teamed with Smoltz, God, it's just boring, dribble, pathetic. ESPN's the other way. They talk about nothing but stories. So, you know, uh, I, I just don't like their broadcasts, and I love baseball broadcasts, but I don't like any of the national broadcasts. I don't even like the local broadcasts, so it must be I'm just uh, in a gripey mood. Uh, speaking of uh, hitting coaches, the Philadelphia Phillies have gone after Charlie Manuel, the former coach, the former manager, the former hitting coach for Jim Tomey, uh, under my car grove. I mean, Charlie Manuel's as old as uh, Phil Regan, the new pitching coach for the New York Mets. And so the Mets are on fire. They get rid of their pitching coach in the middle of the year, and they bring in Phil Regan, an ancient duck, over 80. And uh, they bring in Chili Davis, who the Theo didn't like. Now the Mets are hitting the cover off the ball. They're going to probably get in the playoffs. And uh, the Cubs aren't. And uh, And so the the Phillies will probably take off with Manuel Harper will probably turn the corner and start hitting. And, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. They try to do things in the middle of the year to correct, and the Cubs should have fired this guy. They never should have hired their pitching coach. And even Costas mentioned him last night. I still don't remember his name. Uh, anyway, he's a bozo. The Cubs can't hit. they got a boring offense. They're hitting under 200 against starting pitching. Uh, Rizzo, man, no timely hitting. Bryant, not much of timely hitting. Castellanos is great. He's hitting 380 in his first 11 games with the Cubs. So that was a good deal. Way to go, Theo. One out of 10, you're hitting 100. Speaking of Theo, it is a disgrace. As I've said before, 
that uh, they don't have a contract for Joe Madden, and it's apparent based on what Theo said at the beginning of the year that they're not going to negotiate during the season. So there you have it. They're going to leave Joe hanging, and uh, the dance is going on. Press asked Joe the other day, and Joe said, oh, my chances, I think, are really, really high. I'm optimistic I'm going to be back with the Cubs. Then the front office said, boy, you know, we don't like you talking about contracts. And then Theo comes out and says, oh, we don't have any problem with Joe talking about contracts. Let me tell you, Theo's credibility, if, he, if Theo didn't have a contract and Ricketts was saying that to Theo, we're going to wait till the end of the year, and I'm sure everything will get worked out. You know what? I've negotiated a lot of contracts. I've negotiated a lot of settlements. And until they are inked, until everybody that's agreed signs up in agreement, you don't have a deal. Joe doesn't have a deal. So we're down to 43 games. Are these the last 43 games that Joe Madden's going to manage for the Chicago Cubs? I think they are. I think Theo wants Joe Giardi. I don't know why. But he does. I think Charlie Manuel is too old to get uh, the job in Philadelphia, although I think Kapler's going to get his butt fired. And I think Joe Madden's going to get the job in Philadelphia, and God love him if he does. Go for it, Joe. You will be a free agent in another 43 games because I don't think the Cubs are going to make the playoffs now. A week ago, I was really optimistic. Now, my God, they can't win on the road. And the last time I checked, you got to go to play the other team occasionally on the road in the playoffs. Now, interest is growing in the National League Central and in the National League Wild Card. There are eight teams that could get the Wild Card, and that gives you the right to try to beat the other team and then go play the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers might be more susceptible to a three-game Three-win, five-game, best-of-five-game series, and a seven, but I don't think so. My God, Bueller, Kershaw, Rayu, you got, I mean, they got they got a great team. They're not going anywhere in the division except up. They're going to go to the NLCS. Will they play the Cubs? I don't know. I'm bummed. seems like whenever I do a broadcast after the, uh, after the Cubs lose, it's kind of a downer, but... Uh, on the second segment, we're going to have a guest, and so that should get a little better. Um, lack of respect for, for Madden. It's a disgrace. This guy's won more games in a shorter period of time than any other Cub manager. Uh, Ricketts has plenty of money, and even though Theo's pissed away about $400 million of it, uh, you know, come on. So who other? what other players wore number 29, one of my favorites, Crime Dog? Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. He's got every bit as good of numbers as a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame. Another number 29, Joe Carter. We love Joe Carter. In fact, I was in Toronto for the 1993 World Series, the first World Series north of the border, north of the American border, and uh, Joe Carter starred in that series and hit that memorable home run. home run. I was not there. Harold Baines had number 29 for the White Sox for one year. Uh, for the Cubs, a guy named Bobby Maddock, uh, had that number. And so you ask, why in the world would I come up with that name, Bobby Maddock? Well, as you know, the show always talks about my good friend Dave Nelson. Bobby Maddock is the scout that signed Nelly. Bobby Maddock. McGriff wore number 29 for the Cubs, and so did uh, none other than the Notre Dame wide receiver and uh, flowing locks, Jeff Samarjo. So we're down to 43 games. Can the tribe keep up with the Twins. If everybody played the Royals, then they would win every game, and we don't know where that race would end up. Uh, will the Braves' bullpen continue to uh, implode, or will they turn it around? I think the Braves are going to hang on and win that division. I think that the wild card is going to come from one of the teams in the Central. So the Central is playing to avoid playing the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs. You win the Central Division, you're going to play the Braves. So there are three teams that are possible for two spots, in my opinion. The Cubs, Cardinals, and the Brewers are all fighting for either the Central Division title or a wild card spot. One of those three teams has to win the division, and I think one of those three teams has a pretty good shot of uh, wild card. So if they get the wild card, they'll probably play the Nationals or it could be the Phillies, or it could be the Mets, 
or it could be the four of the San Francisco Giants. I don't know. Pretty good. It's a good race. That's going to be fun. 43 more games. That's going to be exciting. With respect to the uh, rest of the major league races, uh, the wild card in the American League is not very exciting. There's you know three teams vying for that, um, and there's two spots. Only one team's going to get left holding the bag. Uh, the Twins and the Indians are going to get the division and a wild card, and then you've got one other wild card, and that might be Oakland. It might not be Oakland. Who knows? Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, Twins. Well, at least the Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros are running away with it. They're solid. And then Cranky, oh, my God, 2-0 for the Astros. That's awesome. Let's see, worst call in baseball last night. Tony Kemp struck out on a ball that was a foot and a half over the strike zone. It almost was around his earlobe. And Marty Foster, who's just pathetic. It's hard to believe anybody's worse than Angel Hernandez, but he is. And, you know, Joe let him have it, but he's so bad he couldn't even throw Madden out. He's just pathetic. What he does is he establishes on his anatomy a place where he can go to uh, regulate high and low pitches. It doesn't matter who's batting. It could be Dave Winfield or Frank Howard at, at six foot ten, and Tony Kemp at five foot seven. It's the same strike zone. So here comes the ball, and it goes right up to uh, the chest uh, uh, line of uh, Marty uh, Foster, and he strike. <laughs> It was even, even Smoltz, the pitcher's pitcher. It was a foot outside of the strike zone, and this guy called. It was a big strikeout. Um, it was a difference in the game, other than Ian Hip dropping a hap. He should be hip. Drops a pop-up. My God, this is pennant race baseball, and the Cubs are playing like, oh, man, we don't have any real enthusiasm. They're dead. I mean, they are dead. And on the road, they're deader. At home, they're pretty dead, but, but on the road, dead, dead, dead. And part of the problem is Madden doesn't have a contract. What a bunch of bozos not to give him a contract. It's rude. It's disrespectful. Give Joe a contract, even if you fire him in October. Give him a three-year contract. He just wants to manage till he's 68 and then get down the road. I guarantee you that's his deal. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of my guests' favorite subjects. We're going to talk about Dante Bichette's son and the records he's setting as a rookie. We've gone back and looked at the prospects. Out of 100 prospects, the Cubs' highest prospect is number 50. The Tigers, the Padres, the Astros all have a bright future with a lot of top prospects sitting in their organization. The Royals, the Mariners... The Blue Jays, the White Sox, the Pirates, the Rockies, man, oh man, they just, they don't pay and they don't play. There you have it. Now, with the Rookie of the Year, I think it's going to go to Alvarez. He's having a great time with the Astros. And in the National League, Alonzo and Tatis. I think it's going to be Alonzo because of the brilliant tutelage of Chili Davis, that great Pitch, hitting coach. So anyway, that's it. It's kind of a uh, day before the Cubs take on the uh, the uh, Phillies and the Royals take on the Cardinals. So you know what's going to happen there. The Cubs are going to lose. Cardinals are going to win. Cardinals are going to be tied with the Cubs for first place. <sighs> Man, anybody but the Cardinals. So... That's the scoop. I guarantee you when we come back, we'll be in a better mood. And uh, that's it for podcast number uh, 29, segment one. Uh, that's, uh, that's the deal. So we will recap some of the uh, studs in the minor leagues. And uh, I don't know, just depressing broadcast last night. That really bummed me out. I guess the Cubs' lack of hitting bummed me out. Ian Happ dropping a Little League pop-up bummed me out. I was bummed out. Need a Cubs win. Cubs win. I'll be back on the bandwagon. Then I get a note today from the Cubs. You know, it's don't forget to pay your invoice for the playoffs. Now, it's not due till September 9th. I don't really need a reminder quite yet. 
Then I look at my mail and what do I get? But a letter from the Royals wanting the season ticket to be paid for next year. You think these guys are hungry for cash? I can understand the Royals. I don't understand the Cubs. And uh, anyway, I'm anxious to uh, get back to uh, baseball somewhere. So tonight I'm going to watch the Cubs. Hopefully it'll be a little better result. Tomorrow uh, they play the Phillies in the last game. And they have not won a road series since May. So that's June, July, August, three months. They haven't won a road series now tonight, not only do you have the return of Charlie Manuel, who now apparently is more popular than Santa Claus, who, by the way, did get booed in Philadelphia. If you'll recall way back when in my youth, Richie Allen, Richie called me Dick Allen, would write boo in the dirt for the Philadelphia fans. They booed Santa Claus at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus uh, during the halftime show at uh, Philadelphia. The fans were booing last night. Even though they won, they were booing. I mean, my God, was it a bad cheese steak at uh, Geno's or Pat's? That's the only reason I want to go to Philadelphia. It's not to see the ballpark. It's to have cheesecakes at Geno's. Wow. It's exciting. So, in addition to manual return tonight, you have Cole Hamels coming back to where he was really a star so it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, first inning with Charlie Manuel and Cole Hamels and me watching. So for segment one, Jamie Gretzky, lighter side of baseball. We're looking forward to seeing you guys soon. And uh, yeah, we're still, we're still looking forward to the last month. I think there's an excellent chance that Joe Madden's got 43 games left and that'll be it for his run with the Cubs. If I were him, I tell Theo to stick it. I tell Theo, you've blown a lot of Ricketts money. You have gone crazy thinking you're a hitting coach, and uh, you've disrespected me. So even though I have a restaurant in the Wrigley Field Chicago Cubs Conference Center, it's not going to color my judgment. I'm out. I'm going to Philly, and uh, we're out for now, too. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after a few words from – no, we don't have any sponsors. No words from sponsors. But we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. And we are back with segment two. And uh, as I predicted, the Cubs got clobbered by Philadelphia. I mean, the best thing that could happen to uh, Gabe Kapler and Charlie Manuel is to see the Cubs come out of the dugout for the second game. Tonight they go up against Drew Smiley. If they can't beat Vargas or Smiley, and if they can't sweep the Pirates for the weekend series, including the game in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, then they ought to go back to Little League, and they ought to give it up because they're in deep trouble if they can't beat the Pirates. They need to sweep the rest of the road games. That's one tonight and three over the weekend, and then they'll be 6-10 and ten on this road trip, which wouldn't be bad. I'd be back on the bandwagon. But, man, they can't hit. I mean, they can't hit. They went up against a good pitcher yesterday, and uh, that was it, man. It was just sad. So... Uh, watch on Madden, down to 43 games. A uh, bunch of those are in the uh, division. So that's pretty, that is pretty uh, interesting. They have 21 games against Central Division teams for the rest of the year, and uh, 22 that are not. They play the uh, Rockies, they play the M's, they play the Giants, the Nats, and the Mets. And I'm going to one of the Padre games out in California. That'll be fun. But, uh, man, oh, man, oh, man, uh, something's got to change. They had to fire the hitting coach today. Still can't name the guy. Um, but, anyway, they won't do that because uh, Theo seems to be driving this uh, ship towards an iceberg. And, yes, the Cubs, you can equate them to the Titanic because they're not going to make the playoffs if they keep up this offensive lackluster, and Madden's not going to be around. So, yeah, I hate to be on that bandwagon every day, but we'll be uh, – We'll be back in a few minutes with a live guest. Yes, that could be number four in the history of the program for live guests. So Podcast 29, we've had uh, four guests that are breathing, and uh, that's pretty good. So it'll be a lot of fun to talk baseball with Mike Seguin, and uh, he should be arriving by boat, I would guess, here in the next hour. How many uh, guests on a podcast get to arrive by boat? 
Not only that, but he's from not only Hawaii, but he's also from Aspen, Colorado. So here's an Aspen, Colorado Hawaiian arriving in Land O'Lakes, Big Portage Lake on a boat. I'm excited. Might even have to take a picture of that for an Instagram. So uh, we'll see what happens. He could arrive. I suppose he could parachute in. Maybe he's going to bring a car. But my bet is he drives over in his boat. So we'll see. Anyway, that'll be fun. Good guy. Interesting uh, uh, to talk to him about windsurfing and surfing and all the crazy extreme sports this guy does. And in addition, he's a big Cubs fan. And I will talk to him a little bit about that, about how he got interested in baseball, about his father's relationship to baseball. And uh, as I understand it, he just went back to Aspen, Colorado to play in the citywide softball tournament. And on the team was his 78-year-old father. That's pretty cool. So you don't have to have a major league tie-in to baseball to love the sport through the relationship of your father or your mother. So, yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff. That'll be cool. So he should be along in a few minutes, and until then, I am just going to chill out and wait for, I guess that would be segment three. Jamie Reske, I'm back. This is segment three. We talked a little bit about Mike Seguin being our fourth live guest, and the show's excited to have Mike. Mike and I have known each other for a long time. He's a big Bears fan. He's a big Cubs fan. He's a baseball fan. He happens to be married to, I guess, my uh, niece-in-law, and so Mike's my nephew-in-law, and uh, we love talking baseball, and so when I started doing this podcast, Mike's been one of the greatest listeners I've got. Gives me some feedback, and uh, Mike, it's nice to have you here, man. Nice to be here. Yeah, I, I am a, uh, a chronic listener of the podcast, and I do love to hit you up with text messages, etc., on what I hear, what I think, and uh, my opinion. Well, you know, as you know, the uh, listening audience is expanding by leaps and bounds, and so it's uh, it's great to uh, get some feedback. It's nice to hear from people about what they'd like to talk about, and uh, I know that uh, your biggest uh, and, and best attribute for this show is just uh, your love of baseball, and uh, I guess one of the things we always do on the show, we talk about the father-son relationship, we talk about Dave Nelson, who you met uh, uh, and had an opportunity to uh, have a few brews with uh, during the playoffs one year, and then we, we like to talk about anything but sabermetrics, and uh, I'm sure... Uh, you're probably more a sabermetrician than I am, but uh, we'll get into all that stuff. But let's talk a little bit about why in the world do you uh, love this crazy game of baseball? Um, you know, I was first introduced to the game from my dad, as I think you are and most of us are, and I was raised on it. I was raised Southern California. Little League was a big deal. Um, baseball before that and after that. And I loved playing it, so my love for it spawned from doing it more than going to games or watching it. I did growing up, go to a lot of games with my dad, but it was more because of playing it that I got into it. Well, I told everybody you, you were, I thought you might boat over here or parachute in. I let everybody know you're kind of an extreme sport guy. You live in Maui, you live in, uh, Aspen. And so that I was sort of expecting anything, but you did come on a bike. That's pretty cool. Where, where were you playing baseball? Where'd you grow up? And, and, uh, give us a little bit of background on that because there are a lot of different ways to get a love for baseball. It doesn't have to be watching the White Sox or Cubs growing up. So, uh, Newport beach, California grew up there and started playing in the, I think as young as you can start playing there, T-ball, uh, T-ball into little league, little league into whatever the, the leagues evolved to beyond that before high school, then moved to Aspen as a freshman in high school, played high school ball there, which was an interesting transition. The ball in California was good. The kids were good. The teams were good. Um, I, I think would have made the team in California if we would have stayed, but I don't think I would have started until later on. Junior Any or famous senior. teammates that you played with? Uh, no, um, a couple years above me was, uh, I'm trying to think of the catcher for the Angels at the time. Um, so this was Rod Carew era. Okay, um, wasn't Mike Sosha. Yes, it was, no, uh, 
I think it was Mike Sosha. Um, he, one of his kids played. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, I mean, we was close it, to Anaheim. It's funny because when you get involved in that, everybody kind of knows somebody. I went to Ted Klazuski baseball camp, and there were hundreds of guys there, and even I got burned out playing all the time. But one of the guys that I knew, got to know at the camp, ended up pitching game six of the World Series for the Red Sox. Nah, guy that's named, fun. guy named Jim Burton. That, and I don't think he ever pitched again. And this is when you were growing up. This, this is when I was like a freshman in high school, loved baseball. My parents sent me to Ted Klazuski baseball camp in Bainbridge, Ohio. And uh, you did nothing but play baseball for, you know, 18 hours a day. The Ohio University guys were the coaches for the most part. But Klazuski showed up, took a picture with Big Clue, still got that. And uh, this kid, Jim Burton, all of a sudden I'm watching TV. It was a Carlton Fisk game where Fisk, you know, waved his hands trying to get the ball into fair territory on the famous home run that he hit in game six for the Red Sox. And Burton pitched that game. And then I'm going, I know that guy. Ah, that's fun. Isn't that weird? Yeah, no, that's a good one. I didn't know. I didn't play with anyone that evolved to be in the major leagues um, in either. And when I moved to Aspen to play ball there, it was the, – the ball was nowhere near as good. Pretty short I mean, season. Though. Yeah. I mean, my little league teams in California would have beat the high school teams I was playing with and against. It was, uh, yeah, short seasons. and Baseball there was kind of an afterthought. So I'm going to get back to if I can remember because a lot of times I segue into stuff and then I forget. I'm going to get back to your baseball playing days because you're still playing. And, in fact, just got back from a tournament in Aspen. But while you and I were conversing, you know, via text while you were out in Aspen, the Maui Hawaiian team is playing in the Little League World Series. Yeah, big deal. Um, oh my gosh! How baseball's cool. a big deal there. Um, so my seven-year-old son Ranger, he plays baseball in Hawaii. We live in Hawaii school year time. And we did a podcast with Ranger, which we're going to feed into this later. But just as a segue, uh, Mike's son's got a perfect name for being a professional athlete and he's being groomed for that, I think so, somehow. <laughs> well, he's having fun with it. He, um, so he's playing in Hawaii and baseball in Hawaii is a big deal. Um, his, the teams that he plays on there are a lot of practices, very well structured. The coaches, kids, parents take it very seriously, very different from coming back from Colorado baseball where we played there this summer. And I think the, the goal of the Hawaii coaches is they want to get these kids better and they want to make them go on to the Little League World Series. The goal of the Aspen coaches is to get them to come back next season. Yeah. So very different. Yeah. Very and different. I applaud um, the Aspen guys. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to have drill instructors when you're, you know, in Little League. But, but you know, that's good for some kids. Some kids love it. Uh, Mike and I had the opportunity to sit together for a couple innings at Wrigley Field this year with Ranger. And, you know, I'm sitting there minding my own business, having a beer, and all of a sudden Mike starts saying to Ranger, okay, there's one out, guy's on first and second, you're playing second base, ground ball hit to you, what do you do with the ball? And, I mean, and Ranger knew the answer and gave it back, and I'm going – Man, when I watched baseball as a seven-year-old, I, I was happy to eat popcorn, let alone answer a question. Yeah, no, I try to. Um, well, we've hilarious. Had, well, we've had some issues, Jamie, of uh, what to do with the ball when it's hit to you. Who so, but, right. So, <laughs> yeah. so the Cubs now. Right, yeah. Um, so trying to get him to think about, and that's part of the, so I had an interesting discussion with a, with a buddy of mine who I went to school with in Aspen, whose kid is playing on Rangers baseball team in Aspen. And um, he wasn't a baseball guy growing up, really had not a lot of interest in the game, but his kid's playing. And he said, part of what I love about this game for my son is that because it isn't reactionary and they have to think about it, they have to have some foresight into, okay, the ball's coming to me. What do I do with it? What do I do situationally? As opposed to hockey, basketball, where it's reactionary, here's the ball, react. Um, and it was an interesting discussion cool. from him. Yeah, yeah, to say, hey, I'd love this for my kid because he's got to think about it. Now, just for all you listening folks out there, remember I said we were on location at Land Lakes, Big Porter's Lake. So when Mike uh, Laux was on the show, it was fly season, mosquito season. We were swatting flies. Now the flies are gone. You might hear a loon, which is a bird you might not know of that's uh, peculiar to this lake and other lakes. Uh, they make a lot of noise because they're trying to protect themselves from bald eagles. You might hear a boat go by or whatever. So 
that's life on the lake, man. I mean, what a beautiful place to do a podcast. Can't get any better than this, can it? No, this is sweet. Yeah, day like today, uh, sunshine, no rain, no wind. Um, no, I feel like this, this is great. I feel like this is what you and I always do when we hang out together. <laughs> yeah, Some, we just have to be recording it. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, let's talk about, you know, your father uh, got you involved and interested in baseball, and you were playing baseball and not necessarily following major league teams as closely as other people might. But you started uh, going back to Aspen for softball tournaments that I know about, and I didn't know when we visited a couple weeks ago that your dad is still on that team. Now, how he cool is. is that? It's great. It's really fun. So we've been, I've been playing in that league for 25 years, and he's probably been playing in it for 20. And he is 77, going to be 78 in September, and he still plays. He still pitches. Uh, he plays great uh, for for his age and what athletic ability he still has left. He does a great job with it. Throws strikes. Um, they allow a runner to run for him, so he does it. Though. So he can hit, but he hits great. But talk about that father son gestation of baseball. I mean, you're living it. That's cool. It's great. It's great. Um, yeah, to be out there playing with him is pretty special. And I'm sure it's hard to. You're only out here at this lake for a, a month because you're busy working between Aspen and Maui, and I know a lot of people feel sorry for you. But you leave this majestic, beautiful environment and go out to Aspen, which obviously is beautiful 12 months a year, but to go to a baseball tournament that your dad's in. I thought that was pretty cool. It's great. Um, and we won this year, which was which was a treat. Uh, we won it a couple years ago. And so th- I think this is the third or fourth time my dad's been on a team with me to win like it. like pour champagne on each other or anything like that? Yeah, he doesn't drink. He's boring. But um, I, I pour beer down my throat on my head, and he shakes his head at me and gets in the truck and leaves. Oh, uh, that's great. That's great. We'll talk a little bit about – let's go the other way from your father to you. Let's go from you as a father to Ranger. Uh, How did you get Ranger going in baseball? Because the kid plays – there's so many sports that this kid can excel in. It's not funny. And, uh, you know, he's been, we've all known Ranger since he was born. He comes out to the lake and, and he's skiing, he's slalom skiing now. He's doing hockey camps. Seven years old, so he's not even little league eligible, as I recall the age limits. But how'd you get Ranger going in baseball? Because he's good. He can play, yeah. Um, he's. Uh... He is he is good. He um, you know I got it in. I, I I was just going through some old videos and I had videos of Kimmy throwing him balls when he was two, um, whacking balls around the house, whacking balls in the yard. He um, he's a little boy, so anything you can you, you take something and you whack it at it, they're gonna like it. Oh yeah. So he, you know I it, I think baseball for kids requires a little push. You know, it may not be as exciting as some of the other things that are out there. So Boy, do I have my opinions on that so subject. So it takes, hmm. oh, okay, because it takes a little push, I think. Well, yeah, it, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a unique sport because you fail so often. I mean, even, you know, guys get in the Hall of Fame and they hit three times out of ten. So seven times they're not, they're not succeeding doing what they want, number one. When you're little like that, in your 8, 9, 10, and 11, the dominant athletes are pitchers, and the pitchers are traditionally ahead of the hitters. And kids nowadays, I can go out and kick a soccer ball and feel like I had a great game, but you go home, four, you know, striking out four times, it's, you do need a push. Yeah, so it, I, I think like most kids who at his age who are into baseball, I gave him a little push, um, but it didn't take much. He, he enjoyed it. He liked um, – he liked hitting the ball. He liked catching the ball. Um, he liked being around his team. So it didn't – it took a little push, but he, he really enjoys it. He enjoys uh, – and the practice schedule in Maui is intense. They practice three days a week, at least one game, sometimes two. So it can be a five-day-a-week thing there. And it's a pretty rare day that I got to be like, come on, man, it's time to get in the truck. We, we got to go. Um, for the most part, he's excited about it and enjoys it. All right, so let's uh, switch around a little bit from from uh, the family to the uh, the Chicago Cubs. And how in the world did you uh, get interested in the Cubs from California to Colorado to Hawaii? What's the deal, man? I was raised a Cub fan. My family is from Chicago, and my mom, more than my dad, is a big Cub fan. 
So I was raised one yeah. where it was games on WGN around the house, my mom yelling at the TV. Um, and it was one of those, I wasn't really given a choice. You know, this is, this is what you do, kid. This so is the what, team you root what for. What year are we talking about that you started that you can remember kind of following the Cubs? So I, th- I well, I remember, um, I definitely remember caring about the Cubs Padres National League Championship Series, and that would have been in 84. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. 84? Yeah. So, 84, I was born in 74. Steve 70- Garvey put Steve one in Steve Garvey, that's right. I remember my I mom. I was a made... Sox fan then. God, okay. I was so happy that Garvey did that. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm, now I call myself a dire Cub fan. But anyway. Yeah, so, well, we'll have to talk about that, too, of how you uh, how your allegiance has changed. It did change. Um, so, right, in 1984, and I was born in 75, so I was nine years old. So, that would okay. be my first memory of caring about what happened so to the Cubs. So, you missed the, uh, most of the lovable loser era from really 1950s into the 60s until 69 when they had that 10-game lead with 12 games to go and lost to the Mets. That was a bad year. But that was that was Sando and Banks and Williams and Hunley and, and uh, Kessinger and all those guys, man. I mean, that was a big team. That was a great team. No matter who you liked, no matter whether you liked the Sox, and there was always that. There weren't too many – crossover fans in Chicago. You either loved the Cubs and hated the Sox or vice versa. But you had to you had to like the team even though the result at the end of the year was not so good. But Yeah, the, and I obviously uh, missed all that and being a you know, a, a not living in Chicago and being a Cub fan from afar. Um, but is and I know the Cubs, the Cubs Sox game is still a real tough ticket, and that's a it's not really a rivalry. But is it? It seems like the people I know in Chicago doesn't feel like there's much of a line anymore between Cubs Sox. The Sox have been so bad for so long that it really um, a kind of isn't such a big rivalry anymore. And B, there's nobody you love to hate. You know, Przinsky, the Cub fans hated Przinsky, and the and the Sox fans hated a bunch of the Cubs there you know they just um had this this hate and so you'd go to the game like Kay um my wife Kay won't go to a Cubs Sox game at Wrigley anymore because it just it gets pretty vulgar I mean even now it gets it's not as bad because nobody cares and they don't always sell out anymore uh, yeah I always thought that was one of the toughest Cubs tickets yeah. was the, the Cubs Sox tickets that Zambrano era with the Cubs and and uh, Przinsky with the White Sox, um, you know, they got fights all the time, and, and uh, it was a real hatred between the two teams. Now it's kind of ho-hum. In fact, I think most of baseball is ho-hum. You know, Rizzo hits everybody on the shoulder when they get over there. Bryant really doesn't get in anybody's face. The Cubs don't have any heat, man. They're just kind of there. And, you know, if Bob Gibson was around and guys were doing what they do, there'd be a lot of guys with uh, concussions because they'd be thrown at him. I watched a game the other day. A guy hit four home runs a pitcher off the same pitcher. He never, ever came inside on the guy. It's a weird game. It's like, don't hurt me. I won't hurt you. I'm making $5 million, You're making $5 million. Let's all be buddies. I don't see the – Yeah. now the Dodgers had a fight the other night, but they never fight. It's a joke. And I'm not sure I ever agreed with the unwritten baseball rules of a guy hits three home runs. you got to put the fourth one in his back. I never really agreed with that. Yeah. Um, you know, come inside on him, fine. But, um, you know, if a, if, <laughs> if a guy's having a good day, I don't, I don't see that as a reason to put one in his back. Yeah. I do. So, but you do. So did Gibson. Well, I don't know about the back, but at least move them off the plate. They're, move them off the plate. Fine. They're everybody's diving over the plate and hitting home runs. It's like, to me, whether it's the ball or the bats or the pitching's crappy or whatever it is, it's like home run derby every day. I, I, I you, I think like the home runs, and and most people do. The chicks dig the long ball yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. But I, God, dog. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a fun it's fun to be at a game and see the ball flying out of the yard. That's fun. Have you seen a game without a home run this I, year? I mean, on TV or I you can't watch remember. a lot of replayed Cubs games? Did you watch the game last night? No, I didn't because you screwed me. Because when I, <laughs> when, I when I asked you about it, you rolled your eyes and looked the other way. So I knew that's they were so gonna, true. <laughs> yeah, that is exact. That's an accurate representation. Didn't say a word. 
Came back and said, hey, man, you know, but it was six to nothing when you asked me. And I specifically asked you, I said, I'm going to watch it later. And you said, ugh, and rolled now, your the eyes. The other and, day, yeah. you definitely came in and said, don't tell me anything. I'm going to go watch the game. And I didn't say anything. I wasn't sure yesterday. And even you hesitated a bit when I said, you want me to tell you what's going on. God, they just, if you can't beat Vargas. Now, Aaron Nolo's a pretty good pitcher last night. But, I mean, if you, if they lose tonight to Smiley and they lost to Vargas, and if the, they don't sweep the Pirates, they're done. They're done. Yeah, they have to split here in Philly. Um, well, and they can't now because they lost two out of three. Oh, it's a three. Okay. Um, but if they win tonight and then sweep Pittsburgh, the six and ten road trips, not bad. Not bad, yeah. And I, I, was, I wanted to watch that game last night, and I'm still mad at you about it um, because it was, um, Hamill. it was Hamill's return well, to Philly. By the time I rolled my eyes, Hamill was taking a shower. Yeah, well, he got ripped. Yeah, it went two in the first, yeah. two in the second. They're getting, in, they're getting given up some big time. Hendricks got nailed. I mean, well, getting nailed early too. Boy, I know. Um, uh, I'd be concerned a little bit, but um, besides the Cubs, you follow anybody else? I, know I follow the Broncos. Okay, um, but I baseball. A, I don't think they're baseball. I'm a sympathetic National League West yeah. fan, where I do um, lightly pay attention to and lightly root for the Rockies, the Padres. Um, I pay a little attention to those. My my dad's mom and dad who moved from Chicago to San Diego, they were, um, which was a big strife in my family, that they left the Cubs and adopted the Padres. I paid a little attention to the Padres because of them. Uh, I live in Colorado. I have a lot of Rockies fans, buddies. So just to be relevant in bar conversations, I pay a little bit of attention. I think they have one of the top five baseball players in my lifetime, maybe, and Aaron Otto. He's fun. Uh, he's fun. Dude yeah, he's a, a he's a real talent there. He is a real talent. Yeah, there. he's fun. Uh, and that team, I feel like, should be better than they are. Well, because they stink gets, right now. They stink. Do stink, and they beat the Cubs last year in the uh, wild card game. Yep. The Cubs just that was a bad one for me. Bad, I, I got lit up week. for that one. Yeah. But the um, one of the problems I think that a lot of teams have, including the Rockies, is they're. You can predict where a team's going to finish now by how much their payroll is. I mean, if you look at the – so there are 30 teams in baseball. If you look at the top 15 teams, 85% of those teams are going to get in the playoffs. Boom. Mm-hmm. So you ask, why wouldn't everybody just get to that level? And I don't know why they don't or why there's no rule that makes it a ceiling that you've got to spend at least 125, which is the average, $125 million. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about that, and I uh, I agree with you. You were the first one to bring it up to me where there should be a floor. There should be a minimum of what these guys can spend. Absolutely. And I agree with you. And I don't know why the Players Association, they're hung up with there needs to be a, a, a salary cap like in the NBA. They're, they're hung up now with the luxury cap. They're threatening a strike. Nobody's going to really be too sympathetic about Millionaires go. Do you on think strike. there is a, a strike pending? Yeah, I don't. I do. You do. I do. I don't. I I, I would think the um, they're all the big boys are pissed. The Kershaws, Scherzers, Arenado, they're all mad because they think that the free agents didn't go very fast this year. And I'm telling you what. Well, they did. They're right. Twenty-eight teams ought to be slapping themselves on the back for not getting Machado and Harper. Yeah, well, you and I have talked about this. They've they've both been mediocre players. Yeah, not, I think Harper will be. I think Harper, between Harper and Machado, I think Harper is more dedicated to being really good than Machado. Well, I think Harper puts butts in seats, yeah. so I I think there's a value there. I don't know if Machado does. I don't it's know going to be cool to see what Charlie Manuel, the new hitting coach, does. I'm excited to see. I don't like the Phillies, never have much. But I like Charlie Manuel, and, uh, you know, he comes there last night and Harper hits two home runs. Coincidence? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Maybe just needed an old guy kissing his butt saying, keep doing what you're doing, Brosh. You're, you know, that Charlie Manuel drawl. And uh, I think it's uh, it's cool. But I looked at the, uh, the National League Central – all but the Cubs and the Cardinals, so three teams are below the average uh, salary. And in the American League Central, they're all below average. Every Detroit, Kansas City, the White Sox, the, uh, um, the Twins, Twins, 
and the Tigers. Maybe I said the Tigers twice. Yeah, so There's five teams. The so Twins are below, below league average. Salary average. Wow, that's they're surprising because they're good. So that's eight out of ten teams in the central divisions. And interestingly, that's where the best races are. You know, you've got the Twins and the Indians kind of vying. And I think the Indians are going to win that one. And then you've got the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers kind of vying for two spots. Somebody's got to, some, one of those three teams has to win the division. And, and most likely the wild card will probably, come out of that division as well. Yeah. Um, you don't want to win that wild card because then you got to go see the Dodgers. Uh, and you don't want to have to see the Dodgers in a five-game series. Right. No, with, no, no, you're absolutely right. With, with the three pitchers there's they some, can throw you. There's some talk yesterday, well, you know, if you're going to ever beat the Dodgers, it's in a five-game series. I'm going, Kershaw, Ryu, and Bueller? No way. No, I agree. When you no got to see, you got to see everyone. And last time I checked, the, if the Cubs were the wild card, they'd go out to LA for the first two games. Ain't doing so good on the road. Yeah, no. Last time that happened, um, I I did that trip from Hawaii to go um, to year before the Cubs won the World Series. So that would have been fifteen. Fifteen. The 15? year the Royals won the World Series. Uh, um, <clears throat> Yeah, so they Cubs lose Cubs lose two on the road. I fly from Hawaii to go to Chicago, go to Game One, lose out, swept. Yeah, bad deal. Yeah, that's the year before. But 2016, man, you should have gotten your butt to Cleveland. <laughs> I should have. I should have stayed. I went to Game Game Six. Does everyone time. Does everyone listening to this know that you could have gone to that Game Seven and decided I've not to? I've explained it a few times. I had committed to my family that I wouldn't hold them hostage and keep them there because. Uh, two of the uh, four live guests, that would be Mike and Greg before this Mike, um, you know, had jobs. And, you know, they, they swore, I swore to them that I would leave. And I guess I could have taken a plane home and let them drive. But, yeah, I didn't well, I do think it. Well, I think you told me once, which was I a – You might have just been covering your tracks, but I think you told me once you never want to go to a game seven on the road because you're losing either way because everyone around you is pissed. Yeah. And your team won. you got no one to celebrate with. And if you lose, you're losing on someone I else's mean, turf. I mean, if you could tell me the outcome, I'd go. But, uh, God, I've been to, I don't know, ten game sevens, and they never seem to work out. I was in Florida for with Nelly's team, the, the 97 Indians. And, uh, interestingly, it snowed in game five, and then game six goes down to Miami where it was 100 degrees. And then, you know, the tribe – Blows the lead in game seven, and Nagy takes the loss, and Jose Mesa blew the save, and it was a sad, it's a sad crowd. That's the day that I'm down in a tunnel waiting for Dave, and it's a cool old ball, you know, it's not a cool ballpark, but it's cool the way you go underground to the clubhouses, and I'm out there, and Dave, uh, Nelly always told me, take a ball, whenever you go anywhere, take a ball and a pen, you never know who you're going to run into, and uh, so who comes out of the clubhouse for the Indians but Dave Winfield and you know he's six five, and he just lost the World Series and I don't think he played um, but he traveled with the team because he was with the Indians back then I go Mr. Winfield I know you don't want to do this but could you please he signed it and he did it yeah yeah he did and uh, I think if Nelly had seen me he'd go dude don't bad time yeah, pal. Bad time. yeah. <laughs> but uh, shifting gears to the uh, um Guys that you like to watch on the Cubs, who do you think the, you know, I know uh, we ought to talk a little bit about uh, Javier Baez. I know you like Javier. I love Baez. Well, I didn't always love Baez. I was a, a latecomer to loving Baez. I, um, he made me crazy. I think he made all Cub fans crazy in his first couple of years when he was swinging at anything no matter where it was, overly aggressive at the plate. Um as good as his glove was, um, I feel like a lot of routine plays would he wouldn't make. Even though he'd make that spectacular play, he would miss one that he should have. Yeah. And he was. I feel like he was flippy with the glove, and he was um, a little flashy over there. So I. But I've come around. I'm a fan. Um, I, I am a he fan. Was, he was. He was swinging. Any Cub fan that 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 labored through Alfonso Soriano, you know, he'd get two strikes on him and a slider was coming at the knees and it would break into the dirt and he would swing. And Javi did that a lot. Now he still does. So I was watching, uh, I think was this, uh, I think it was during the 2016 world series. It was a playoff game. And I'm watching with a great buddy of mine from Hawaii that I watch a lot of cub games with. 
and he's looking at his phone. He starts laughing. He goes, oh, buddy of mine just texted me. I just threw the remote and Baez swung at it, which I thought was great. That's that great. was a good one. That is great. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he will. But tell, the, tell everybody, you have a strange uh, ritual, at least you have in the past, with uh, tied to Baez's success. Um, yeah, so it, was, it, it came from coming around on him, and I do this with a, the same buddy in Hawaii, um, where we call it body by Baez, and we do 25 push-ups or 25 sit-ups per base per hit that he gets. And we were very diligent about it year one, and we've slacked a bit, but it's a, it's a fun way to watch him and pay attention and yeah, get on the phone and text your buddy. Yeah, like that are in shape. I, when Mike told me that, I said, yeah, you know, I might touch, do knee touches. And he goes, what's that? And I go, you know, instead of touching my toes, I reach down and try to touch my knees. But... Um, yeah, it's a great way to stay in shape. It's fun. It's a fun way well, to stay in shape. Now, yeah. Um, there aren't that many guys that I would pay money to go see. Scherzer, I would pay money to go see. Verlander, I would pay money to go see. Probably the Astros, I would pay money to see. I'd pay money to see Baez. I'm not sure if there's anybody else that is in the Cubs headliner group of Rizzo, Brian. Contreras, I probably would pay money to see. Um, and it's not that I'm totally down on Rizzo and and uh, and and Brian because they're obviously at the end of every year they got 30 homers and I mean they're great. But you know Harper's a flashy guy. I don't like him, but I'd pay to go see him. Mike Trout, I'd pay to go see Arenado. I'd pay. To... There aren't that many guys that carry the day, uh, at least from the Cubs standpoint. No pitcher. Yeah, I mean as a Cub fan, I. Um... I love watching Hendricks pitch. Um, I'm with you. I, I mean, if I'm in Chicago, I'm going, but I'd assume not go to a Darvish game because that just takes oh, too long. My God, the and the team's board. I was I was a, when he was not winning, you know. And now he's sort of their ace. You know, he's not losing. I guess that's the definition of the Cubs' ace. But when he when he was like he was afraid to pitch, and so it'd be like three minutes in between every every pitch and Baez was like looking anywhere but at the at I mean, turn at the last minute that reminds me do you realize that this year there's a ball in play every four minutes yeah you told me that Isn't that weird and so that and is that that is way up from where it used to be that is significantly longer than longer. Yeah. and where was it before probably in a, Two to two and a half. So what's taking an extra minute and a half? Strikeout. Well, the thing that takes that that goes to that stat is um, more walks, s- more walks, and more strikeouts. strikeouts. Okay. Way more strikeouts. More strikeouts than hits this year, I think. Um, boy, it's just strikeout or homer is the deal. It, they need to do something. Um, the game's getting boring to guys like me, and uh, we're looking at bugs flying around because we're outside at the lake. But the, uh, you know, we talked about, you and I have visited about ways to speed up the game. I think there's three ways to speed up the game. Get the pitchers to throw the ball within 30 seconds and when they get it back from the catcher, period. Can't throw to first to stop the clock, blah, blah, blah. Then they ought to tell the umpires to increase the strikes on at least uh, outside and inside. And then the last thing is maybe lower the mound. So uh, with the with the strike zone, what's your opinion on the proposed uh, computerized strike zone? Uh, you know me, I don't like it. I mean, it, I don't think it'll ever happen. I know it happened in at least one game in the Atlantic League where they went to that rule where you can steal first base, which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It. You never know. I mean, I, I thought that... Um, I'd never see guys, you know, dancing in the dugout in their home run line uh, in my lifetime. And a lot of people dig it. I mean, a lot of the kids dig it. So I think Major League Baseball is trying to figure out, you know, you got the gambling stuff in the ballparks that might come up that I know you're kind of pumped about. You've got um, the fantasy baseball. you got this whole generation that um, – that, that seems to be getting more into baseball. And it's funny, when I was a kid, if you drew a million people, you were big time. If it, Now, if teams don't draw two, they're hurting. I don't, you know, the, the product's gotten worse, the tickets have gotten more expensive, and the, and the attendance goes up. So if you've got an answer why that's so, 
I like to hear. Yeah, it. I, I don't. I don't. You know, I think I'm a. I'm probably not a. a, a, a I'm not a fan who wants to see the game slow down. I don't live right. next to a ballpark, so when I'm in Chicago or I'm in LA, I'm in a place where I can see a game. I want to be at the ballpark as long as possible. That's fair. So I want to be there. I'm I'm happy to spend the time. Um, and most of the games I, I watch are – I rarely watch all nine, which probably most people don't. Um, I'm picking it up in the seventh, or I'm watching it delayed, and I'm zipping through it, unless it's playoffs or – But if you're at a game, you you don't have a problem with three hours and 30 I don't. Games. No, give me the time. I get more more time there, more time to – That's because, what, you're a junk food junkie? You like all that crappy food at the game? <laughs> I know that's it does where, sense. That's where you and I differ there. I, yeah, uh, I, like, I like the cold beer coming up the aisle. But, uh, no, I'm one of those dorks that buys my food usually before I go into the game where I get myself a burrito or something marginally healthy before I walk in there. Yeah, well, there's nothing marginally healthy or really that good inside Wrigley that I found. Kansas City's kind of worse. Um, There's some good ballparks. Petco's got some good food. I thought the food was good in Milwaukee when we went. Milwaukee, the food's good. It's been better, but it's good. Um, It's hard to be healthy and be a baseball fan, but you excel at that. Well, I mean, I I do the, uh, you know, every now and then I break my own rules when I'm going to a baseball game, but my move at Wrigley Field is I get off the the aisle at, uh, off the red line, walk downstairs, and instead of going towards the ballpark, I go toward the other way, and I hit that little burrito stand. I grab a, I grab a burrito, stick it in my pocket, go in, order myself a beer, and in, enjoy the first couple of innings of my burrito. And, folks, that's unique because they sell everywhere. Water, it's cheaper outside. Peanuts, cheaper outside. I've never known a guy to go grab a burrito. That's my move every time. <laughs> that's <laughs> impressive. That, uh, if I could stuff anything, it would be a, a double cheeseburger from, uh, you know, Deuces and Diamonds or someplace like that. Um, we've talked a little bit about history and, uh, you know, your love of some of the older players. I'm, I'm more into the Ruth Gehrig era and the Hall of Famers, and, and I'm critical of some of the guys that get into the Hall of Fame that I don't really think are Hall of Fame quality. Uh, you and I have discussed the guy that's his war, which I really don't believe in, wins again above replacement. And who's the replacement? Wally Pip or in for Lou Gehrig for Wally Pip. But we've we've gone back and forth on PEDs, and that brings us to Clements and, and also to uh, one of your favorite players, Barry Bonds. Yeah, I have taken some heat from you uh, as far as being a Bonds fan. But, um, yeah, my opinion of the Hall of Fame is the litmus test is can you tell the story of that era without – without including those players. And you cannot tell the story of that era of baseball without Bonds and Clemens. So for that reason, I think they're in. Their, their, their numbers are so far but beyond where they need to be or should be. To where do you draw the line? What about McGuire, Palmero, Sosa? Um, put them in? I think you put them in. Yeah, their numbers are where they need to be to get into the Hall of Fame. And can you describe that era without talking about McGuire and Sosa? Who's no, the biggest can't. cheater you ever rooted for? Uh, well, the biggest cheater would probably the. Three bonds, wouldn't it? I guess it would be bonds. Bonds yeah. never. I mean, we don't know for sure, but we know. No, I mean, I like Gaylord Perry. And he loaded up a baseball, violated the rules, got in the Hall of Fame. Is that a dual standard hypocrisy? That uh, maybe I think that might yeah. be a dual standard. I mean, you cheat, you cheat. Um, yeah. And as you and I have talked, I I don't. I, I'm all for Joe Jackson getting in the Hall of Fame. I think he's the greatest hitter ever. I think uh, you know the guys that. You know, and who knows who did it right? You know, did Tony Gwynn ever cheat? I don't think so, but maybe he did. Or, you know, there's always rumors about some of the guys that are already in the Hall of Fame um, that have used or they think have used. But, you know, when I started hanging out with Nelly in, in clubhouses, there were bowls of uh, amphetamines just sitting there. I could have grabbed a handful of, of speed. And uh, a bunch of the brewers in that era, not to name names, said, you know, they just couldn't play every day if they didn't have their greenies. And it was just common. So I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I think it's uh, actually, you know, it's uh, an articulation by you of a pretty good basis for who gets in or, you know, in that era. Um, but I don't think that the powers that be in Major League Baseball want to see any of those guys give a speech about getting in the Hall of Fame, which would mean to me if they ever get in, 
it'll be posthumously. I think they will get in. I, I think as the the voters are getting younger and some of the old guys are not part of the the the, the, the voting commission anymore, I think they will get in. It uh, it'll be an interesting day at Cooperstown. It sure will. Uh, because Bonds has a gazillion fans. Clements has a gazillion fans. I'm not sure Clements is as popular as Bonds because he just never really tried to be a nice guy. Bonds at least tried to be a nice guy. He got caught up in that Balcor deal. Clements has denied it. Bonds kind of admitted, you know, rubbing the clear on him and all that good stuff. Sosa, never been really implicated except his skin. You know, he did the Michael Jackson black to white thing. And... Uh, he and McGuire ignited baseball to this day. A lot of the popularity of baseball is that home run contest between those two guys. And I, I think it'll be interesting if Alonzo or Bellinger or even Jorge Soler, if somebody breaks um, Roger Maris's record, I still say it's Maris's, and I'm sure there are people that, you know, followed baseball in the 40s and say, no, it's Babe Ruth's record. It's not. Yeah, there's no asterisk. But it's going to be interesting to see. Anybody that sticks out that you really like to watch that's playing now besides guys on the Cubs? I pretty much follow the Cubs. I don't pay a whole lot of attention outside of the Cubs, so I tend to watch a lot of the, of the teams the Cubs play. Um, so my, my reference is more with the National League Central teams, National League teams. But, um, I mean, as a Cub fan, I, I – I get excited when Hendricks is on the mound because yeah. I enjoy watching him pitch. Smart guy. Um, but when he's off, it's BP. Yeah, I love how he dances around the strike zone. I love, um, I love the Maddox feel to him, where it feels like he is not outdueling anyone. He's just outsmarting him. Comparisons have been made. Um, yeah, it's just boy, oh boy. He just it seems like the league is caught up to Hendricks, and if he's not getting so much of this, and Lester's the same way. If they're not getting the calls from the umpires, they're they're hosed. I mean. They need a liberal strike zone. Yeah, his mid-80s fastball can't, can't be anywhere near the plate. No. It's got to be on the corners. There was a call the other night on, on uh, Cubs' new player, uh, their second baseman, Kemp, that was – it was like the – and I talked about this in this first segment of this podcast where uh, Marty Foster is the home plate umpire, and he's not as bad as Angel Hernandez, but he's close. And it seemed to me like he said, okay – uh, my chest is a strike zone, so anything that comes at my chest, I'm calling it a strike. And I think umps try to do that. I think they have to have some way to calibrate to be consistent. But his chest is one thing to uh, a six foot five player, and this Kemp was five foot seven. Yeah, Kemp's and Bryant's strike zone are very the ball different. Ball was at his nose, and he called it a strike. And Madden went crazy, but. Foster was so bad, he could. it was such a bad call, he couldn't throw Madden out, and Madden finally just got tired of arguing with him. We're going to close. We always talk about Nelly, and, and uh, we had a, a fun uh, situation with Dave after uh, um, Greg Lux's wedding. We took uh, Mike out to see a ball game, which I thought started at 1 o'clock, and it turned out it started later, and so uh, we met up with uh, my good friend Dave, and that was fun. I mean, oh, that was a great day. Was that, that was, was fun. that the first time you had met him? That was the first time I got to. That was the only time I ever met him. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, that was a that was a fun day sitting in that bar. Was that bar called? It was the fourth base. Fourth base, in famous um, bar in Milwaukee for near Miller Park. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun day, and it, I, we spent a long day there. Well, we did because I thought it was a one o'clock game and it was a seven o'clock game, so we killed basically four hours. Yeah, it was great. That was four hours well spent. Now, interestingly, and and. I think Greg told the story where Dave was kind of taking uh, some of the fourth base glasses out of the. I didn't I don't remember know why that. He was doing that, but he was doing that. Finally, the owner, you know, he knew Dave. He said, "Dave, you want some glasses? Just let me know." But um, if if you had uh, looked at the blackboard in this little dumpy bar, and we were there a long time, but you probably sat over in the corner and may not have ventured around. This little dumpy bar in Milwaukee had mahi mahi. They had ahi. They had all sorts of healthy food. I can't believe. I don't remember. Now that you should have remembered. I don't remember. I just remember uh, a, a, a strong four or five hours of uh, of a lot of beers before yeah, we went before to that game. Tailgate. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we probably had a really bad tailgate compared to everybody else. Well, that was my Park. first experience at Miller Park too, yeah, and nice seeing people uh, tailgate before a baseball game was new to me. Yeah, it was fun. The only place that's better than Green, I've been to Packer games, tailgated there a few times for Bears Packers game. The Chiefs 
hands down. It's unbelievable. I mean, they have a lot that you can get there 24 hours before the game to tailgate. And people just grill, and it smells like a giant barbecue pit. I mean, it's big time. And nobody, there's no public transportation. So you've got a stadium holding 80,000 people, 40,000 cars, and 40,000 tailgaters. And it's unbelievable. It's a great, it's a great smell. Mike, we're going to do this again. That was fun. Great fun. Loved uh, it. We got to weave in all sorts of good stuff. But, uh, you know, it's been fun uh, getting to talk baseball with you, not just on the podcast, but over the last God only knows how many years. And uh, we'll do it again, man. Thanks for joining me. That's great. Loved all it. right. That was great. That was fun.